map 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 the map report let my home back in Omaha see if I can make it out in the world and I got as far as Wichita suddenly I wasn't sure anymore lost all my friends in Los Angeles I'm not welcome in New York But I must stop back in Omaha Where the fans, they always Welcome to Met Report number 52, October 18th, baby. 2000. Welcome to number 52. Light the Okay, call call the gas company, light the pilot light, and then we're ready. We are ready to go, and we want to welcome everybody in as usual. Here we are. We're uh, we're ready to go and we're we're all set and we've got a full year's worth of shows, right? Story one show per week now. If you took one, you know, you'd just be able to listen from here a little to over. eternity. I think it was last week. I think yes. But I was thinking today, if you get a weekly magazine subscription, you could read one per map report. You could listen to a map report <laughs> and read one magazine. This is so a that's great how deal. Mark this milestone. Useless. <laughs> uses of an hour of your day. Oh, man. And that's, that's true. The only thing more useless than the map report is, in fact, a magazine. Did I tell you guys about this? I, uh, I got this Rolling Stone subscription for no earthly reason. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. And it just started coming. And it oh, took you're me all like about two Rolling weeks Stone, to track man. down how it happened and it was just ridiculous and not only that i mean it was bad enough because i i you know listeners probably don't know this i hate magazines just sort of in principle (laughs) um i mean there's no real principle before it they just bore the crud out of me to be fair like i just don't enjoy magazines don't you just hate bad magazines why do you hate all magazines all magazines are not entertainment and tv guide they're actually some useful magazines no 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 like Like, there are magazines and like oh, yeah. the Atlantic That's Monthly, right up my eye. Like uh, popular, uh, are, you would love that. There are popular nachos, that, Halloween, and Bob Dylan. Like, like that's a magazine you could go for, right? Yeah. No, emaciated vegetarian magazine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Atlantic Monthly is one that I could see theoretically liking, but I still, I don't like the format. That's the thing. It's like all bits and bite size, and it's just like, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to sit down and read, I want to have something that I can get into for the most Mm -hmm. part. I mean, things that publish short stories, I do like short stories. The Atlantic Monthly occasionally has fiction, so I could see liking that, but I'd still rather read a big book of short stories by someone that I know that I like, rather than like, this stupid editor today decided that this fit his profile of what he wants. But story magazine. So you like reading stories a lot on the internet, don't you? I mean, it seems to me the internet's even more like this, where you just short got stories? you know no. things. Well, not short stories, but like articles and you know news news items and things. Well, like that, Well, there's an immediacy right? there. That's the thing. If I'm okay. going to get news, news has to be immediate. Like this is why I stopped watching the nightly news. It like wasn't the anything against the mainstream media. Like it's us, that, we're as timely no, as you. Yeah. The map report on would not time delay. The yeah, map we would report be would be like story, this is so old, guys. Like no. This does this not is work. So yeah. last like week, more reasons. 
Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I would not, no, the map report does not cut it for news. And like nothing other than CNN or, you know, the CNN website or some other news website cuts it for, like news, Google News I really have gotten into lately because they don't have CNN's political bias, so they're a little more interesting. But, uh, you know, something that's up to the minute, like I just, something about having news available up to the minute makes me not be able to tolerate news that isn't up to the minute. Like I can't well, read <laughs> newspapers. This totally fits your personality, too, though. It's too this morning, you know? Right. This, fits, mm -hmm. this fits your personality, which is that he wants the extremes. He wants either the instant mm -hmm. feedback with very little information right. or a book that is not no longer topical but has crazy amounts of in-depth information, but he doesn't want the middle ground, even if it's a well-informed exactly. article that took time to put together. If it's a week late, screw it. Right. Okay. Absolutely. That's absolutely okay. the case. So, so magazines are thus not an appealing format to me because they're like not very in depth and they're just a bit out of date and they're just like screw it. So, so not only that, <laughs> but to like, add insult to injury, the magazines themselves. Not only was it a magazine, and they're expensive, right? The internet's free. Like I can read anything that I could find in a magazine on the internet, including on the magazine's website if I really wanted to. Right. And right. Although you Atlantic know, Monthly it's free has on the now internet. locked that down because otherwise right, I would read it sure. every day. But they every, made it back. Right. At occasional, the New York Times and, you know, a few magazines and newspapers have realized that they're going to be out of business in five years if they lock their sites and only 20 years if they, you know, or yeah. vice versa. You get the, the other point. way. Anyway, sure. the point is the extra middle finger from Rolling Stone for this free out of nowhere subscription that I Can didn't I want was... Yes, you may guess. I mean, it, you probably read about it on my webpage, but guess anyway. <laughs> was it an Omaha Steaks insert? No. No, well, that's, that's right, an interesting guess. Uh, <laughs> the, the cover had Jack Nicholson, who may be my least oh, favorite human being now. that I've never met of all time. So I really hate that man. And, Is there a reason? Just, and he had like his classic Obviously Jack Nicholson face on it. No, this is the one the thing one in face. my life I decided to not have a reason. I decided oh. I have a complete life of reason. Way. Randomly, I will choose Jack Nicholson as my exception. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I hate the guy. He's like everything. He stands for everything that I hate. I feel like he constantly portrays glorified assholishness. He, like, is that in his life outside of his portrayals and, and his roles. And he just, like, uh, he stands for slime. He stands for what about one of the cuckoo's nest, where he stood for rebellion against authority? I refused to watch that movie because I loved the book, and I know that he would ruin the story. I mean, to be fair, the book was amazing. I agree with you. But the movie, and you should know this, it won the year that it was released. I don't remember exactly what year. It won nearly every possible award that a movie can win. I mean, I Jack mean, Nicholson has an auto Academy Award clause. I mean, that's the other thing I hate is that he's so unjustifiably popular. You know, he just gets, that's part of his contract whenever he takes the movie is this movie will have a 33% chance of sweeping the Oscars for no reason. So, you know, I don't trust anything that wins an Oscar that has him in it. The Oscars aren't necessarily something that I trust anyway. I was going to say, Jack I don't trust the Oscars anyway. Screw that. Uh, Screw that. Then, uh, that's the phrase of the day, folks. Screw that. What's Jack Nicholson magazine. Ratchet. You, it made and you want to kill her. She was Jack amazing. Nicholson on magazines. So, okay, okay but so that um, explains Jack Nicholson, but it doesn't name? explain who, who got you the Rolling Stone. Right. Nurse the Ratchet. Anaheim Angels apparently bought me the Rolling Stone copy. What? That was nice. As it turned out. It took me a week and a half to find out. But, uh, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, of 
Orange Ow. County, uh, somewhere Disneyland. on the coast. Right. Disney, yes, yeah. Disneyland. Yeah. The uh, Disney, the Michael Eisner, Los Angeles Angels of Vladimir Guerrero bought me a copy of Rolling Stone, apparently, because okay. they bought me a free copy. A free and 52 wow. copies, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, was it really free 52? Because you know what they like to do? And I almost got caught with this. I was at Best Buy a few weeks ago, cashing in uh-huh. a gift card. And uh, as I was you know, paying off the $2 balance that I spent above my gift card, the guy was right. like, would you like five free issues to Sports Illustrated? I'm like, well, in theory, yes. Does this mean that you're going to now take <laughs> my credit card after five face? issues? <laughs> right. Exactly. What sure. Am I I between this or a rusty knife the in the eye? Yes. Because then, yeah. yes. Yeah. But no, I mean, exactly. no, because then I was like, well, wait, does this mean you're going to start charging me after the five? He's like, uh, um, I'm not, well, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't want that. You bastard. So uh, and that's I extremely. Bastard. There's that effective Best Buy training going to work. He's just like, well, I uh, okay. <laughs> just like, no, like, no. Oh, yeah, magical question. Why did the Anaheim I mean, Angels get you I, these things? Well, this is what um, I'm saying. I Be careful. Yeah. They might renew you until the end of time. Right. Story. No, it's I true. once had. It's funny that I'm defending magazines because you I literally once had a three-year <laughs> subscription to U.S. News and World Report that I did not read a single issue of. Oh, oh, they just sent so it cool. to my That's mom's like house. That's like listening to a UB40 marathon for no and reason. Charged my credit card, oh. and my mom was like, "Oh, look, free magazines that I'll throw in the garbage." And I'm wow. like, "And they charged you too? You never even asked me. They never even asked. They just set up for three <laughs> oh. years forever." Bastards. <laughs> That's funny. It was so unsatisfying hey, it, when I finally isn't found that out. that illegal? See, I have to I get some ready of this. to go. F- yeah. The company had me ready to go for like another three years, and I was like, okay, I want you to cancel this and <laughs> refund, you know, it's whatever the balance is that I have left. subscription? Who yes. does that? Who does that? It was so unsatisfying. They're happen? like, okay, we'll just refund the balance even though you've already taken three years that you've paid for. But you won't do it anymore. And I'm like, but no. But then also, you set the building on fire. That's part of my prorated refund. <laughs> exactly. That you all say. get genital And you have to right fire an employee I send you a who you really in like. The mail. You are going to have to the syringe oh, until you're very much oh. in pain. And then cancel my oh, subscription. Lord. See, the thing Please. is that I can't. The thing is that I have to do get a lot of this stuff for work because I have to get all these, you know, goddamn academic journals. And I literally have a pile of books. I was telling you before we to, came Greg? on the air. Yeah, I do. Justify I really this do. to me. I no, have justify to justify this to me. I, I do because they have, have to, to get periodicals. Well, because well, isn't academics. Well, that Greg wants to be published in these periodicals, so you have to like follow them and. Yeah, I mean, there's to basically two reasons. I want to hear the logic from from the Greg's mouth. Okay, Here, right. there's th- there's two basic reasons. The first reason is um, that theoretically, if I want to get articles published in it, it helps to know the kinds of things that they're publishing yeah. and the kinds Boom. of sort okay. of methods that's done. Okay, but the most important reason, really, us. the most important reason <laughs> is that um, I need to be able to keep up with things that are going on in my field. And to be perfectly frank, academics have not exactly woken up to this whole internet age thing yet, where I'd love to be able to go into email and just say, send me all relevant articles about Shakespeare in the next two months, you know, and just have them send them to my email account. But they don't do it that way. And so right now I'm in the process of having to, you know, subscribe to, and I don't subscribe to a lot, but I have to subscribe to like Shakespeare Quarterly and like the Renaissance Quarterly and things like that so that I can keep up with that kind of stuff. Believe me, I I, 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 like my I want to get through all date, those things. So, but, but Shakespeare Quarterly 
Is there really a lot of new stuff going on in Hey, man, you wouldn't believe. There's like, some brand new stuff. Still dead. New, new update. Still dead. It's man true. visits grave. Hopes he's alive. He's not. Well, the funny thing 11. is that like, it's like there's honestly. a there was a critic who once said um, when somebody sent him an article was sent him a sent him a um, an essay for looking at and he sent him an essay and the guy's response was there is much in your article which is true and new sadly most of what is true is not new and most of what is new is not true um, and that's kind of the way some of these things <laughs> in Shakespeare sort of go down was Dr. Seuss. <laughs> no, exactly. I think it's actually W. H. Arnold. I don't remember who it was, but it is, it is bizarre yeah. because and academics. I mean, I don't think I've talked about this in the Mep Report, but Shel Silverstein. Academics. I, I wish, man. Um, <laughs> academics tends to be the place where you have a bunch of people who are sort of in the old Fun guard, and then, well, in a lot of mm. cases, unfortunately, but then you have a lot of people who try to justify their own existence in the field of academics, and so they come up with these unbelievable jargon-filled articles. The end of which you know you go through the no. jargon and you're reading it you're like what does this mean and it basically comes down to so shakespeare wrote about men and women in marriages on occasion like that's basically what it breaks down Isn't if you get away from the every scholarly yes. writing oh yeah point but I, I mean english I is just, often uh, the worst yeah. of it in that regard i try to resist it and there has been a big backlash against it thank god but i mean if you read any typical pmla which is the mla publication the modern language association i mean it's filled with this crap uh -huh. and and not only that they've also taken to making things which frankly have no particular academic worth and pretending that they have sleep. them <laughs> hey, believe me, they'll then they'll help you. Believe me, they'll, uh, they'll work. Yeah, but you know, like things I've been like uh, them, is that bad? <laughs> only if you're allergic to paper. Uh, things like it's gotta I be mean, good for your digestion. There are right. things all the time, yeah. like um, Ruffish. like uh, you know, TV series, modern mm. TV series that they try to make academics out of. So I've seen ones like there was there was one. I kid you not, there was an article, an essay collection they were collecting essays for that was titled the following, on the crapper. A history of toilet literature. <laughs> I am not making this awesome. up. And the whole book was about uh, toilet stuff, like you know, scatological things, people taking craps, people. Pe and I mean, in linguistic terms, like there, and you know, looking at the language and sure. and the disestablishmentarianist view of the antediluvian condition of the conservative, you know, which is the other, but not the other, and all this crap, and literally crap. And it comes down to this thing called on the crapper, this <laughs> exactly. book of toilet literature, and it is so <laughs> irritating. Like I had one of my dissertation advisors. When I turn in my dissertation, oh, once I said to me, yeah, hold on, yeah, there should totally be a whole genre of toilet reading where you sit there and the book is all about fiber or prunes, and you just read about prunes for an hour and like how they grow and how they're cultivated. And the then toilet. the Rotha School of Enlightenment will come and say, see? <laughs> exactly. See? It this works. helps your digestive process. Mind, Look body, good. You read more <laughs> happy and water. And you manifested an object. It's, it's so true. magic. Oh, man, it's so true. <laughs> and like what I, a magical object it is. Yeah. And it's Go such on. crap. Like I, I disappears I, when you push this lever. <laughs> more magic. Exactly. <laughs> Yay! Amazing. Um, uh, I mean, like seriously, and and the thing is, like, I tr in resisting this, I try I, when I wrote my dissertation and I brought it to my dissertation committee. I had one guy in my my committee actually say the following words to me. He said, "You know, you know, Greg, I find the work that you've done here to be extremely clear. You're an extraordinarily gifted and clear writer." And he pauses and he goes, "Almost too clear." And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, he basically said, I'm not kidding. He and basically he said I wasn't obscure enough. Yeah, and then he vanished. He was basically like, I'm not obscure enough. Right. I was just like, 
Uh, yeah, he wanted like, to know how many of you, himself could dance on the head of a pin. I could understand this paper, and that makes me suspect you're not <laughs> educated. Exactly, so exactly. Go write something yeah. out. Oh, my God. There's, in fact, the there's a website. Is, oh, I have to find this website. What, I'm sorry, Russ. When I just you wrote wanted to that mention, really clear article, Greg, right. about 20 <gasps> other English professors around the world committed mental seppuku because they knew that everything <laughs> they wanted to say had been said in far less time. This That's is a which, problem. Probably. Uh, they figured they could obscure it for a while and keep it up. I have to find this website. I think I have it saved somewhere. There is a website out there which was produced by a guy where you can actually input anything you want and it will randomly generate an essay for you in the academic style. This a And an article published oh, by funny. this website has actually been published by a legitimate academic journal, even though it means nothing. That like, it means nothing awesome. at all. I've got to find this thing. It was that hilarious. Is so phenomenal. Um, it, 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 yeah, that is so an experiment that I would run. Yeah. That is so but you can only do it almost when you're as good as my, as my TV show trying to receive a degree this is like a degree worthy paper that you submit using this program right right yeah there we go it's called the, here we go go to post um what's it called hold on your a second. career has to be on the line when the you website is <laughs> elsewhere.org slash p-o-m-o it is called and the art and the essay i'll just read you the first part of it i just loaded it up okay Contexts of Meaninglessness, Capitalist Post-Semanticist Theory, and Cultural Neostructuralist Theory. Class is used in the service of class divisions, says Lacan. Marx suggests the use of capitalist post-semanticist theory to deconstruct sexism. However, the subject is contextualized into a cultural neoculturalist theory that includes truth as a totality. And then it goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> and every time you reload this page, a similar thing will come up because they basically just took a bunch of those clips. And then when you, and when you upload it, new things comes all the time. The second thing, remember I said the other thing is that they take things that aren't academic and they try to make them academic? The second part of this essay, right. Quentin Tarantino and cultural neostructuralist theory. In Pulp Fiction, Tarantino analyzes patriarchalist rationalism. In Reservoir Dogs, he deconstructs capitalist post-semanticist theory. See? And this stuff has actually been accepted by a journal, I believe, at MIT. Let me see if that's true. Um, Those movies it, have the worst dialogue. I'm going to deconstruct <laughs> post-rationalist your intestines. It's so, it's With so my true. neo-rationalist gas. Here we go. I just reloaded <laughs> it. And the essay that it produced this time was called Marxism and Subdialectic Objectivism. Rushdie in the Textual Paradigm Not of Context. Words are bad. <laughs> I don't like words. <laughs> you get the idea. So this is the kind uh, of crap that I have to read through, man. I have to wade through this stuff to find good things. The person who was uh, turning in their thesis in front of Emily when Emily was getting her was turning in her thesis at Princeton, I went with her to do it. And the person in front of her turned in a uh, an analysis of Bob Dylan lyrics. I was like, dude, you totally lost out. You totally wrote the wrong thing. Did they do Emily's by post-structuralist like objectivist? Did they cite know. Lacan or Derrida? No. Did they say the other is not the other? No. Okay. He might have actually used English. He might That's have possible. used the English language. To and you know what else about ideas. academic writing that gets me? Academic writing never, I mean the, the worst kind of it, never really says anything because it always cancels each other out. Academic writing always says this both is true and is not true. Like that happens all the time. Well, the idea of him be, as being today is both here and not also. here. Yeah. Oh, my God. It is the ultimate qualifier language. It is both part of time and right. not part of time. It is both between and not between. Like, it, there's nothing that's just something. I would love someone to say, you know, this particular author is a piece of crap because his writing is crap. And not be like, it both is crap and is not crap. He both sits on the toilet and does not sit on the toilet, you know? We should submit a uh, paper to an academic journal that's all about the emu. It is an emu and is not an it's emu. It's not an emu. Oh, yeah. 
It'll be Post-structuralist, great. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, if you want to write a paper on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you want to write a paper on Project Runway, there are conferences for you. They're all out there. You, guys, you can find them. You guys should do that. And then I will submit an argument to the contrary, which will just be an envelope filled with vomit Ooh, that I will send nice. into the <laughs> journal. you got to come up with names like Dr. Rosinski, Gubermanski. analyze this. That's what happens. Well, that's phenomenal. All right, that was a good show. <laughs> good stuff. I think you've chosen to do a really good thing with your life there. Okay. I mean, uh, oh, no. I'll blame magazines. That's fine. I'm fine doing that. Chicken magazines. But of why? Los Angeles. How did this happen, though, story? Oh, wait. I, you just, I you just got a up, ticket, and they gave you the good, good argument to magazines. All right, yeah. I, I actually own almost every, well, okay, let's say the first four to five years that existed of uh, Nintendo Power. Oh, yeah, I still have some of those Okay. back at my mom's now, house. That was an excellent magazine because, A, it didn't have to be super topical. Or, no, that's not true. It had to be topical. It didn't have to be timely. It had to be about Nintendo. Right. But it wasn't like, <laughs> this game came out today, now I need to read all about it now. It's like, oh my god, right. somebody figured out tricks two or three months after the game came out, and I can read about them. So that part makes sense. Yeah. Yes, no question. Because that was before the internet, so you were like, mm. oh, it's A-B-B-A? I was doing A-A-A-B. Okay, that's totally Yeah, and it was so. the only information at all available about being in-depth and nerdy uh, about Legend of Zelda. There was right. just no other resource for you remember me the color to, maps? to go to. The so. full pull-out maps they had, oh, where yeah. they like put all the screens together? Was I was like, oh, this is perfect. But how did Anaheim get this to you, Story? Uh, through the mail. No, I mean, like, how no, did they... No, I don't, um... <laughs> no, what do you mean? Um, no, I... They had Sean Figgins I don't know. I mean, since he's not Emily, you know, right. these, were, these were tickets really that were my birthday present, and I, like, you know, interrogated Emily and made sure, like, 18 times that she didn't check some box that said, you know, yes, please double my fee for these tickets and sign me up for a lifetime of Rolling Stone. So, you know, she swears that there was nothing additional, that there was no reference to it at all, and that it came, and, you know, and they said, you know, and it may have been slight of, slight of words, but they said when Ooh, I finally got, ba- they got back an to English me, professor. they said, we both Where, did yeah, and exactly. did not give you a Rolling Stone subscription. <laughs> exactly. It both is and is not it existing. It was both free and not free. <laughs> It well, came both with the tickets and without the tickets. <laughs> exactly. Lacan yeah. says you might not have a magazine so, at all when you recognized it as a child. Exactly. David Foster Wallace believes you have a magazine subscription, but others disagree. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't really know. Basically, basically they said it was free. I believe them to a certain extent. Who would pay for magazines anyway? So it sounds Oh, compelling. another good argument for magazines. Um, Ready? Uh, good kindling. Sure. Good kindling. It's true. My fireplace, unfortunately, has been replaced with a uh, gas heater, though. I still have oh. a very nice fireplace, but a gas heater is sticking out of it. So what would happen I don't if you tried think to I should start a fire. Make a <laughs> exactly. fire in there. I think that would be great. Exactly. I mean, there's a pilot light. The pilot well, that light could be could really hot. That. that could warm things yeah. up quite a bit. That would be really hot. That's there cute. you go. <laughs> yeah. If you just pile magazines on top of <laughs> a, be a really pilot hot, light, <laughs> that'll be excellent. I think that's a great idea. I'm going to try this on air next week. Tune in, people. Uh, Get one of them fancy automated fireplaces with, with yeah. the gas coming out. Yeah, it's true. And the blowing up feature. Oh no, the demon! <laughs> I don't know what okay. your guys. We need I, a demon segue. inside story. It's which gotten um, him to make fire. The Just arson demon. It's true. Speaking of weather. Um, yes. It's actually gotten. <laughs> it's actually warm today, uh, where I live, and I finally had a chance before this to test out the new heating system, 
And I, you know, we had not had a chance to try it out before because I we moved into the summer. Right. And well, I know, right? right? Today, right? So, well, it's that's the point, today. though. Let's try. Because when we turned up the thermostat, it was like, you know, we turned it up, whatever, and it was sort of gradually getting there. And then all of a sudden, and I don't know mm-hmm. what causes this to happen, but for some reason in my house, it's like, gradually get warmer, gradually get... Oh, my God, it's so freaking warm. It's like basically the story Clayton Heater. Oh, my God, it's so goddamn warm. I can't believe it's so warm. And then if <laughs> oh, you turn it back down, it, it takes it. forever, and then it's like... Jesus God, mm-hmm. it's freezing. So it's basically got this <laughs> tipping point, at which point it finally gives you the temperature that you requested an hour or two before. So it does get to the right temperature right. eventually, but it sort of you know jumps wildly from position to position until you've sort of figured it out. So I'm trying to figure out now how to more gradually adjust temperatures so that I don't hit a wall. Like I have to call people up before they come over to my house. How mu- how warm do you like the house normally? Oh, about seventy, you know, sixty-eight degrees. Okay, I'm gonna set that now. Right. I'll see you about an hour, just so I can make sure that I got that all set. My Kia used to be very similar to that, but I, I actually strangely, <laughs> strangely, as story. you've already alluded I think to that being a story Clayton style. It's pronounced IKEA story. IKEA. <laughs> Kia. Oh. A IKEA. Korean car. The not, car. Not a box store would strange furniture. The be made furniture. by North Koreans. Right. The currently South Korean, soon to be North Korean made cars. <laughs> oh, here we go again. Um, or soon to be unified, unified Jong-il Korea cars. Democratic People's Republic of We Always Wanted to Be Unified cars. But uh, but yes, not furniture. Not a hellish, demonic place of furniture that I will never want to go to again. It's Only not hellish and demonic. That was too much. Ikea is pretty cool. Oh, it's terrible. No, I've been there a couple times. Uh, it's all right. It's, I really get bothered by too much stuff in one place at a time. I start to break out. Oh, Clea does too. Clea really likes Ikea because I think it's sort of, you know, well-organized stuff. Or reasonably well-organized, anyway. Plus, it's Swedish, Mm. so it's all kind of weird and strange. It's not a sofa. It's a sofa called Bjorn, and it folds out in five different directions into an octahedron, but five ways, not eight ways. Yeah, the uh, personification (laughs) of things, too. Emily bought me a a file dresser, and it's called uh, Jonas. Right. And she refers to it as Jonas sometimes. She's totally bought into it. Jonas the file dresser. "Eh." (laughs) She's like, yeah, put it in Jonas. And I was like, I don't want to force feed a person something. Oh, right. Open Jonas, please. No. It actually makes me a little leery of the thing. Like, it sits under my desk, and I sometimes look at it. That's the worst analogy for you ever. That you've got some mm-hmm. nice gift, except that now the analogy you have to think of is force-feeding it. Because that's, you would never <laughs> want that to happen <laughs> to anyone. Point. Exactly. Like, but it hurts no, to me. Why would I want to do this to this poor cabinet? <laughs> it's true. Feed Jonas. No, I don't want to. Yeah. Demon. Oh, no, yeah. the demon. Um, I was exactly. going to say, actually, yeah, that's that a much better rendition. The Ikea thing, the, yes. the personification thing is a problem for them in a lot of things. Like if you've ever sat in one of their cleaves to have an old Saab, her first car was a Saab. And these cars, mm-hmm. have you ever driven Pronounced a Saab? Sock, Greg. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sock, right. With a, with a little, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. With a with little accent over the, over the A's for no reason. Um, the thing about the Saab. I.e. the quarterback has been socked. Has been socked. <laughs> Oh, it is. True. He is sad, by which we mean SOC. With an umlaut, um, yeah. But the thing about the Saab is that the ignition is down by the gear shift, okay? And the window control mm-hmm. is in front of you on the dashboard. 
I mean, if you sort of sit in there, you're like, was this designed by somebody who was turned 90 degrees to the right when they were making the car? Like, is that, is that how this all fit to them? Because everything in the car would make sense if you were, you know, pivoted to your right somewhat. And that's kind of the way I think of a lot of Swedish engineering. It's all v- relatively odd. And that goes for Ikea as well. So they call things Jonas, you know. It probably works fine, but it's, it's like Jonas Ikea, the... It's pronounced Ikea, actually. So. <laughs> what is the, 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 <laughs> the other The other problem with this dresser is, like, once a month, just out of nowhere in the middle of the night, it will start going, My name is Jonas! Bum, 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 bum. And it just drives me I crazy. I thought you were going to say that it goes, No. Or it goes, Hungry. Oh, hungry. Feed me. Feed me story. Feed me story. Feed me. Jonas desires paper. Yeah, well, it's part of the larger the larger debate about organizing my papers. Wait a minute. Why don't you just put the Rolling Stone magazines in Jonas? It's all taken care of. You feed him with the magazines you don't want anyway. It's perfect. It's food for Jonas. That's the third property of man. Oh, food. my goodness. There you go. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. My Weezer song can eat today. Very exciting. Very good. Yeah, I, I don't... The, the main thing is that uh, I don't like to organize my papers. I do it all day at work. I don't like to do it at home. I like my stacks and my piles. So Jonas goes hungry. But what about your bureaucracy? That's the moral of the story. No home I mean, bureaucracy? No, at home, bureaucracy? I'm a very... Got a bureau, but I mean, not a And I think having, having a job... A job where I have to uh, be organized makes me very disinclined to be organized at home. Emily was all excited when I got this job and was so organized. And she went to work with me one day, and everyone was like, yeah, story's so organized, and he's got everything in the right place, and he keeps us on schedule. And she just looked at me like, who are you? Well, <laughs> well story, but I think it's a very good thing that you never became a doctor. That's all I'm going to say. Why? Because then I... Not because you'd be like, help, oh, helping he, healing uh, people. Huh? No, I like to stab people when I go home. That's yeah, what exactly. I was just going to say. Yeah. It works for me <laughs> with like teaching. Work. I come back from teaching. Everyone's like, how do you do this? I'm like, why the hell do you want to know? Huh? Why do you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you're stupid. It was very that's different. why. Ask me again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very different with my counseling job. Counseling is something that I bring home all the time, but uh, so that was just like I'm on all the time for that. But uh, somehow administration stuff, I just can't be that organized in all aspects of my life. You so know, can I ask a question great. in the segue? Yeah. Can I ask a question about jobs? I want to ask Russ a question about the comedy job because it's pronounced okay. Job, Greg. <laughs> Jesus, would you stop? <laughs> um, so, um, so uh, it's pronounced Gra. Grog, Russ. Grog. Grog. Oh, you're right. It's, grog. Grog. it's Roos. <laughs> Roos and Grog. Um, We're having the Russian drinking show tonight. Um, so Roos and Grog. The question yeah, for on. Mr. Galberman is, um, I wanted to ask about yes. the comedy thing Pronounced because Gordon. I guess the question is, yeah. how does Clea, because Clea is going to be doing, uh, Clea has already taken the second or third of her comedy classes. Uh, Clea, known as my, uh-huh. who is my wife and is known to many as a, spot, a pinch hitter for the Mep Report. She's going to be doing her routine for me before she goes on stage to do it. And a friend of mine that I told that she was going to be doing this routine or whatever was like, oh, well, what happens if she's not funny? Now, it had never occurred to me before that she might not be funny, but I guess the question I have is, you as an expert comedian would be able to talk about this. If something is, let's say, not funny... What do you generally do if you want to pretend that it is funny? I mean, I think that she is going to be funny, so I don't think this is going to be an issue. Uh, but what happens if she's not? Because Clea won't listen to this map report, right? No, no, no. <laughs> I think she is going to be funny. I think Clea is funny, so I think she's going to be funny anyway. But it just struck me. Like, what happens if I'm putting in All pressure right. and she's, well, you know? I'm sorry that it took a, a master uh, expert comedian to tell you this, Greg. But sometimes in the world, occasionally, things are not funny. 
No, but you need a way to think when that it's funny. Happens, <laughs> there are ways that we can cope with this. One of which is by not laughing. Well, the other is by going not boo. with my wife. <laughs> yeah, the third way. I'm not gonna heckle my wife. Becoming sort of purchase, ambivalent and just going, huh? Fruit. This is really not interesting. <laughs> Have a stock of fruit. You gotta buy it now because it has to be a no, little bad. No, no, no. Yeah. There's gotta be a way. To flank. When you dislike the people in your audience, hey. Ross, there's gotta be a way you can pretend that these people are people you still want to do comedy for. And I imagine the reverse is Greg, true. When I dislike the people, it's totally the opposite, though. If yeah, the audience doesn't say. like me, I'm screwed. If I don't like the audience, then I will attack the audience and tell them what horrible people they are. <laughs> All right. That's and my advantage as love the comedian. Well, let's say yeah, that what's that I mean, guy's name that you like? That's, you what if take Dane the most Cook, direct course of action. What if Dane Cook came never to you beat around the bush in comedy. and gave you a personal comedy, you know, just gave you a personal show, you know, just a comedy show just for you, one-on-one. A personal show? A, well, you like, know what I mean. the VIP room? That might be funny. Um, <laughs> funny for us. The question would be, what if he wasn't funny? Show now? Would you just not laugh? Would you be like, that was really stupid, Dane Cook? Okay. Russ is distracted. It's bad. It's just a bad scene to, like, be expecting performance from an audience of one, because it's just not... I mean... <laughs> It's fine when you're just having conversational and you're cracking up your friend, but if you're going into like a full performance that you design for an audience, and then you only have one Join person there, the audience of one, <laughs> you and you alone laughter. can yeah, listen exactly. to a show. It's, it's not a good scene. <laughs> because an audience of no, we actually have more people. More than one, yes. Oh, yeah. Many the more than one. The comedy is that you want lots of people, and not only do you want lots of people, you want them packed in as much as possible because laughter is very contagious. So very often, things that you say will only be funny to like 60 to 70% of the audience, but their laughter will infect enough of the other people that it sounds like you're getting everybody. And so the less one person, they have, not good the odds. more likely they're just na- laughing out of nervousness, they're too close to their neighbor, and then people exactly. think the show's funny. It's, it's fantastic. It's easy to make someone uncomfortable. It's viral. People, exactly. people in an audience don't want to be the center of attention. That's the whole point. They want to be completely innocuous and you know, not recognizable because they don't want to be self-conscious because you don't laugh when you're self-conscious okay. unless it's a little stupid, little nervous, weak-ass laugh. And you can do that all night long, and that'll be fine, but I don't think Cleo will get good feedback out of... Because you... Said yeah. Toilet. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Well, so basically what you're saying is I better hope that she's funny because otherwise I'm screwed. I'm saying it's it's not very high stakes operation because the chances are you're not going to laugh whether she's funny or not because it's only one guy. And she's not, unless she's what about know, our writing dog, her Lilo? whole routine with your demographic in mind and she's like, structuralist, observer, observationalist, <laughs> yes it is. Com-. No, it's not. <laughs> and you'll be like, that's tremendous. Hysterical. There you go. Okay, I see. Also, you could try the revolutionary and shocking approach. You might want to sit down for this. Of being on side? <laughs> no, the thing yes, is, that's that's here's the thing. Dental laughing oxide. gas that sometimes kills. <laughs> but here's Try the thing. That. That's a good idea. I think you're quite uh, right, and Clea and I are always extremely honest with each other. I mean, you know, anybody who knows Clea and myself will know that Clea is certainly honest with me. Uh, we're very honest with each other. So the question is, though, you know... I want to be honest, but at the same time, there's a difference between being honest and basically being like, yeah, that was uh, that was terrible. And, um, you know, like, I mean, there's got to be... And for a well, comic, Greg, if you're not you laughing at all... you grade papers for a living. How do you not know how to give constructive criticism without slamming someone? If Just the say, person was well, in front of me saying... Well, that could have been phrased better. You know, find the strength. 
you could still find the strengths. That's all it is. You circle the things that you liked and put a smiley face and then bathe the rest in red ink. You're fine. Great. Just do it verbally, which as a debater, I'm sure that you have the skills yes, to pull well, that I, I would hope I, so. But... I have full confidence in you. All right. Find the strengths. Yeah. Have I mentioned that you're really attractive to me? You're still really attractive. If I'm, I'm sure you even would get when delivering, yeah. right, right. <laughs> even when delivering this uh, this comedy routine, you're still attractive. It's amazing. So if I, I mean, repeat like my what? wedding vows, we're in yeah. trouble. If I had to be like on the baseline, I think you're very beautiful and I love you very yeah. much, and um, other things not related to those it. Those were your yeah. wedding vows. You qualified your wedding routine. vows with the phrase "on the baseline." <laughs> That's terrible, man. I actually said on the baseline and from way downtown. Wedding vows, then you're in real trouble. I was like on the baseline <laughs> and from way downtown. I love you just the same. It was all a big basketball analogy. Exactly. How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? I promise to honor him and love him and support him for all time. That's great. It's so real. I thought this I was really a real long shot. I, I put up a desperation three when I asked you to marry me, but man, I came through in the clutch. You said yes, and then the buzzer went off. Not to say that you're over the hill, but you know, oh baby. Marry her? I don't even know her. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's marriage as humor. I think oh that's, that's a great quality. I'm glad that we don't actually have rimshot sound effects, nor will we ever. Oh, that's important. I can try to track him down if you want. Not having, that. <laughs> not having those effects. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. But we might be able to do it some point. At the moment, we drop below comedy forecast, and that will be the day that <laughs> all I right, commit all mental right. nefuku on the MEP report. All right. Let's make sure uh, we don't have that in there, please. Um, I was going to say, by yeah, the way. I'm editing, what? bitch. Oh, who's editing this week, Greg? Oh, yeah, what's up, man? Oh, oh no. Geez. That's right. Now it's we're calling you out. Fair play. We're calling you out, other podcasts. <laughs> what you got? Greg's magnanimity is on vacation. <laughs> it's on vacation. Woo! I was going to say, by the way, that we should have a live stream. Because if it's true what you said about making things for an audience, we totally need like a built-in laugh track. We could have people... like We should have it so that people can't say oh, things because it would get too over-talky, but they could just laugh at what we say so if they like what we say they just hear this you know this big like laugh track thing and if not then you know then we know it's not working i'm not sure there's anything in the world that i hate in principle more than a laugh track i mean maybe <laughs> like laugh corrupt track? politicians but it's neck and neck <laughs> it's like right up there Ugh, well it doesn't have to be canned so, though like, it would be a real audience it'd be like you know politically incorrect or something even you know? so doesn't do it for me because it's still like manipulative. It's still like you know you're the people want you to laugh and the audience whenever. Because there's an end user. If the only thing it's for is for an audience, that's fine. But when there's an end user that's gonna watch the tape later on or whatever, then the only point of the laughter of keeping that on the track is to you know elicit more laughter and manipulate people into feeling like they have to be a join the crowd thing. I think that's what I really don't like about it. Is it makes conformism out of the art. But the it's one like, thing I would say part about of your that experience tonight will be conforming to other people. The one thing I don't agree with about that, though, is that if you look at some of the more successful sitcoms, a lot of the sitcoms, you know, and I know it's been done both ways, but some of the sitcoms were very successful because you couldn't quite be sure how things would go with an audience, but a particular audience's response would often really give it a, a feel and a vibe that wouldn't be there otherwise. It's like going to live theater. Like, if you go to live theater, you're never entirely sure what the energy is going to be like, but the reason that live theater has so many benefits is because the experience of watching the performance live and being with a group of people and experiencing the sort of collective understanding of what you're watching, which is what the Greeks and Romans thought of it, that's that's pretty special, and that's well, something which is different. What's the difference, you know? then, why, 
why can't we just argue that shows should use live audiences instead That's of what I'm putting saying. in a laugh track? No, no, I'm saying live audiences. I'm not saying laugh track. No, I'm, I'm saying live audiences. That's both. Yeah. Oh, you don't yeah, like live audiences for- even. Well, see, the yeah. problem is, though, story, is that for a lot of performers, especially comedic performers, they actually uh-huh. can't function properly without instant feedback. Because you need to know whether what you're doing is working, and you mean all like comedians... Greg? Oh, no, like Greg you, because you can only read news. Live you need feedback. instant feedback. Okay, no. fair enough. <laughs> what? <laughs> like both of you. You should know about this uh-huh. in your own way. Greg is very feedback hungry. That's the joke I'm making. Oh, okay. I see, yes. Moving on. Yes. Without the instant feedback of laughter in a silent studio, a comedian will literally fall out of his weakness? rhythm and not knowing where to go. Ooh, it's not a weakness, weakness because oh, you're demon. basing your skill on your ability to make people laugh. And so it's not, I mean, that's what you're trained to do. And yeah, you can just say whatever I think is funny is funny, but there is, it's a right. whole different game. I mean, learning how people laugh and the rhythms in which they laugh and how to space out what you say, even if you're doing it on the fly, is something that, you know, takes a long time to master. And once you do it, and being on a sitcom is evidence that you've been pretty good at this, you know, in front of live crowds, then taking right. that away is a huge hindrance to these guys. Yeah, I mean, but that's, I feel like that's if you're trained in a certain impromptu comedy style. But, like, you can also happen to be yeah, a comic like a actor. Comic. And, yeah, but, like, most sitcom comic actors aren't stand-up profile, are they? Is that well, a lot really of them there. start that most way, the don't they? Repertoire, right? A lot of them start that way, Clea was I mean, saying. most of the stars really? are, are stand-up comedians. Yeah. I mean, almost any really? sitcom that okay. you name. Clea said they started as stand-up well, comics and they, they get discovered, try right? try to be versatile. In a lot of cases. I mean, even guys like, you know, Michael Richards, who we're all a big fan of who played Kramer. Right. He, he was not a stand-up comic. He's a classically trained actor, but he right. still functioned very much off of the audience's reaction to his antics and what he was doing. And I mean, the problem with him was that he was so funny is he would often crack up the rest of the cast and they would have to redo scenes where he was really right. amazing because nobody could keep a straight face while they were in a scene with him. You mean he became the guy right. from Saturday Night uh, Live? What's his name? The the new fat guy? That Horatio Sands. Horatio Sands. Who Jimmy was, Fallon. Horatio Sands, who has never kept a straight face. other guys who... Yeah, but can't stop laughing at their own jokes. Isn't that the yeah. most unprofessional thing ever? Where Horatio Sands is like, "I will crack up in everything ever, all every single time." I, I love how they're like, "Well, he's fat. He must be as good as Belushi." I'm just like, "Right, uh, or not? Actually, he's in fact terrible." Um, but that's why, because yeah. he's totally unbelievable. Because of that the same difference business. is, is that he doesn't laugh at himself, Michael Richards, and these these idiots do. Yeah, I guess that's a good because point. Because they're not they're not actors or comedians. I don't know what they are. They're groundlings. They're not funny. <laughs> Oh, that, of course that's the answer. <laughs> you know? Thank you, Jesus. And I don't know what took so long. I mean, that's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it is true. It's totally unprofessional. And people think that, I mean, I get this all the time from people who ask me about different things related to, like, you know, whether students hand things in or someone's asking me a question about writing or music. And they'll say, you know, like, for example, this came up the other day with my trumpet playing because someone was, after a show that we did, someone was asking me about playing the trumpet. They Your were like, trumpet playing? Well, yeah, because I play, yeah. I, Greg? I play trumpet in when my When do you band. play trumpet? Dude, I played trumpet for 20 at like years. Four in the morning? No, I'm a, I'm a lead singer How and I played I trumpet in a rock this? band. I've known you. Because you don't go to my website, I guess. Like I started playing to trumpet when I was like eight years old, yeah. That's how I got involved in the band. Like, Hi, I'm Greg Wilson. I will tell no. you nothing else. The Road. The Road. Did you know Winston Marsalis? Oh, The Road. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and so. 
That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. So awesome. I was playing that, and I was playing Trump, and Where somebody asked me about it. about friends. <laughs> on the Vep Report Live. Yeah. Who <laughs> says it isn't, this isn't scripted? <laughs> it's totally unscripted. So yeah, um, really. I was playing it, and someone was just like, oh, you know, what do you think about um, Dizzy Gillespie? And Dizzy Gillespie was known for two things. He was the guy who, when he played trumpet, he would puff his cheeks full of air. You've probably seen pictures of this, where, like, you know, he's right. got cheeks that are, like, the size oh, of have. chipmunks. And then his trumpet itself, the bell had fallen over, and so the bell was, like, right in the air. Um, okay. That's good. So, and people used to ask, they're like, well, why can't I play that way? And the answer is, well, because Gillespie knew the rules first, and then he went out and broke them. You just want to start by not knowing the rules at all, because you think you're somehow going to be able to compensate. And that's not the way it works. So I'm not going to walk into a room, break my trumpet, and then start you know, blowing air in my cheeks and thinking that I'm going to be a player like Dizzy Gillespie. Gillespie was a good player before he did those things, and afterwards he just did it to sort of adjust his style. And I think that's the same thing with comedy. So it's like he just wasting time well, what's that? by learning to be a classically trained yeah. trumpeter and not just being really cool because he could because he, he wouldn't be as good enough. because he wouldn't be as good at what he did if he hadn't been classically trained to begin with was his argument his argument was that he wouldn't be as good in what he did if he hadn't known how to do it the right way first and then played with the boundaries and you know extended himself and did these other things whereas these other people have no conception of it any either way right so when Joyce leaves out punctuation from his chapters he can do that because he knows the rules of punctuation better than anybody and that's the whole point is knowing the rules and then being able to break them as you choose I think this is bullshit. This is the same That's argument that justifies said. modern art's existence, right? Like, all these, you people, really feel. all these people, you know, they're like, modern art is art because these people are so good at knowing the rules. They could produce the best thing that they ever, you know, the best replication the that of, actual of Renoir, but <laughs> they choose instead to go back to finger painting class in kindergarten and simulate. You know, like, that's garbage. Yeah, but story, like, how would you, how would you ever do anything new? If, how would you ever, ever do anything new if you were just going to keep doing replications of Renoir? Like, how would you ever stretch yourself then? Oh, I mean, I think art is done, most likely, right? I mean, art was what? done oh. with the, the age <laughs> yes. of the photograph. What? Yes, probably. Somebody who agrees so, with me. Oh, my God. Thank God. What are you talking about? Oh, thank Seriously. God. I didn't even I'm know the story. I'm talking about visual art, specifically. Art is thank not you. done. Not anything you, else. There's a lot of stuff but that like, is not good art, but, but that doesn't mean that it's done. done. Uh, what? No, uh, not everything has to grow ad infinitum oh, forever. So this like, makes me feel for good. God's sake. It's like America. The borders keep having to grow and grow. No, maybe America can be done, okay? okay. We got 50 states. Do you have we don't any need legitimate Iraq. evidence? We don't need Afghanistan. Do you have any legitimate evidence need... that art is dead? Do you have any legitimate evidence? And can you explain how, why? How do you have evidence about art, Greg? What kind of question is that? Well, I would like, say the person my, who the wants to get that... rid of the art and says there is none should be the one telling me why I'm art no saying... longer exists, no, don't no. you? I mean, come no, on. Don't burn down the museum. There's bloody good Oh, good. I'm glad you don't want to burn down the museums then. Oh, my God. Well, that's what you getting so rid ridiculous. of the art would be. Oh, but this reminds me of something. I'm sorry. No. I don't want to go off in this direction because I just was reminded <laughs> of something. Did you hear about what happened to the Picasso painting? This guy down in Las Vegas, um, who's this multimillionaire... Owned did he kill it because it's dead? No, he it owned a Picasso. Oh. He owned this Picasso painting, right? But the thing is, he has terrible depth okay. perception. He's blind in one eye. So as he was pointing something out to somebody about the painting, he stumbled and put his finger through the middle of this one point five million dollar painting. And then he's like, "Oh, 
I guess it's a good thing that it's my painting then, because he had no conception that he was pointing like through the painting because he had no depth perception anymore. And the big advertisement was. And he made a puppet out of the man in the out painting. Out of the man in the painting, no, exactly, exactly. I'm worth lots of money. Yeah, exactly. Would you like to look at me? I was just I'm like, dying. how about that? Yeah. But can I? I'm yeah. going to agree with the story very quickly, which is, you know, I've never been classically trained in art styles and genres and periods, which is probably part of the reason that I look at it with a blank look and go, this is dumb. Um, I mean, I feel like I can recognize the difference between good classical art, which I appreciate, and things that have no meaning whatsoever and look like I could have made them, you know, in 15 seconds. Uh, but yeah, I pretty much think that with the new forms of media that we have now, there's zero... Because art was originally, the function of it was to record historical events and, right. you know, to give a representation of what was going well, on. Well, I mean, we, we have in some, part. a few better techniques of doing that now. Yeah, but it wasn't just, just like, I don't know, though, it wasn't just, One or it was also or, interpretation, yeah. not just recording. I mean, part of the problem with that theory is that if you don't understand some of the classical rules, it makes it difficult. For example, Picasso, I'm going to use Picasso again for some reason, Picasso has this sequence of three paintings. And the first painting was this picture of this house on a lake. And it just looks like a standard house on a lake, whatever. And then the second painting is the same picture of a house on a lake, but it's basically just been reduced to like a etching, like a drawing. You know, he just drew the outlines of the house and the lake. And then the third painting he did was basically these geometric shapes that represent the house and the lake. And if you see them side by side, you can see how he got from one step to the next. If you didn't look at that, you'd be like, what the hell is this crap? It's two geometrical shapes next to a lake. But the point is he's able to explore I might do that forms. Anyway. Well, but I mean, I'm not saying that you have to like it or sit there and go, this is the, you know, I love what this is. I think that you have to respect it if you understand what's being done with that particular form. And believe me, there's a lot of crappy art. I'm not saying that there isn't a lot of terrible, terrible art. But, but I Greg, think making the claim that it's all dead is, is just ignorant. I mean, I just think with, that's silly. Why can't someone with a similar level of genius recreate that as a visual, a visual graphics major in college, you know, on a computer? Why does it have to be on a canvas with paint? Well, I mean, I think that many artists would say that they could do that, that they could recreate it on a computer screen. But I don't think that necessarily invalidates people who still want to use canvas like you're see you're basically saying you I can't it have does. it happen on canvas anymore why why do you have to use a computer screen did, does that mean that story if he wants to write longhand or if i want to write longhand in a book we have to write you know we we can't do it we have to be using a word processor because we've moved beyond the pen and pencil well i think the larger question is why can't the four-year-old who has no cred whatsoever, do the same series of drawings and be heralded as equally brilliant to Picasso. Because the four-year-old, because when you the, when you see the four-year-old do it, unless the four-year-old's a genius, and I'm sure there are geniuses and prodigies, but unless the four-year-old's a genius and a prodigy, you look at the two of them and you will see that they did not actually progress from the same place. If you're able, you know, I mean, you can see that for yourself. If it's a genius, why did it have to be progressed? No, no, no. Even if they if they make the same three series, that shows the progress, right? If why they're equally why good. Is it about the the person. If they're equally good. The artist's progression. Well, sure. Yeah. If they're equally if they're, good. If they're that's equally fine. good. If they're equally good, okay. then we should herald them. But I so think there are fine. very few four-year-olds that are well, like that. Okay. Like, yeah. If a four-year-old wrote War and Peace by themselves with right. no influence, that's pretty then impressive. yeah, we can herald them as the same level of genius as Tolstoy. <laughs> there you go. Like, I mean, Mozart sure. wrote an opera okay. when he was, you know, so he wrote an opera when he was eight. So indistinguishable to most people from Jackson Pollock, because it would be. Because I have yeah. things in the youth program that I work at that are. <laughs> then why can't we, why can't we herald those? Story, and you were training a bunch of a artists and you didn't know it, did you? Incredible person. I mean, I, no, I'm not training in a bunch of artists, <laughs> and Jackson Pollock was not an artist. 
It's ridiculous. Like, you know, that's what I object to. It's not that people can't create new paintings that actually represent something or evoke something or symbolize something. It's just that splatter paint and a picture of a glass of water that's really realistic called glass of water and white square on white, these things are bullshit and they should be called as such. And you know, either they should be called as such, or we should have decks and decks and decks of four-year-olds be anointed with medals and million-dollar well, contracts to do art. Here's and my concern, though. And gallery hanging. Here's my concern. I agree with you that I think you a lot a of this... You with that well, ladder plan? Yeah, well, yeah, well, the decks thing, I do. <laughs> I, can't I was sort of avoiding what. that part. Um, my con- here's my concern about that, though, because I agree with you entirely that there's a lot of stuff that, you know, there's there's a lot of lousy art, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of the emperor having no, no, no clothes on going on because you have a lot of people who everyone says is great and is not necessarily the case i mean for example there's a musician whose name is cage uh not nicholas i think it's john cage true in many mediums you know one of the things he had was called maybe all fields on the right was called like a five minute study and artistic and entertainment exactly i think that's true and he came out on stage Mm, and he sat down in front of a piano And he looked at the piano for five minutes. There was an audience, by the way. And then he got up and walked away from the piano. And that was supposed to make some kind of musical statement. Now, I'm perfectly willing to say that that's... Right. I'm perfectly willing to say that that's crap. Right? That's BS. But I think it's a very dangerous story. And I'm kind of surprised that's that you're the one making this argument. That's a more compelling to me than a Jackson Pollock. I'm really surprised you're making this argument because... <laughs> it is. Because that's at least a performance. At least he did something. Well, not really. Oh, I think it's stealing people's money. But, yeah. I mean, but even watching someone splatter paint a Jackson Pollock would be more entertaining than looking at the results. But see, here's the question I have, though. Don't you think it's extremely dangerous to make this argument? Like, for example, do you think, and I mean, I guess I already know the answer, you think then I assume that Robert Maplethorpe is a terrible photographer and artist because of things like Piss Christ and everything. Like, he's horrible, right? I just want to make, I'm not being facetious, I'm just asking. If you think he's a terrible artist, then I think we're running into some danger signs there because what makes the fact... I had a a Dark Age of Camelot character who was a tree man and I named him Maplethorpe because I thought I was clever. That's cute. That's very nice. Sorry. I... Um, I don't. I'm not really familiar with his work offhand. It sounds a hell of a lot better than than most well, things that his I Christ, to be modern. Well, Christ, a crucifix art. dipped I mean, it in urine. Like that's trying to. Or the Virgin Mary with the elephant. Yeah, dung. I mean that. And the Virgin Mary made out of elephant dung. That was another one he did that was a big favorite. I mean, that at least sounds like it's trying to get a message across, other than splatter paint is cool. I don't know, man. I think we're splitting you know, hairs a little bit. look what I can get away with. It takes... I mean, look, you, no, you just I mean, said... Jackson you gave me the four-year-old test? Like, the four-year-old test. Piss in a jar and put a crucifix that your mommy gave you into the jar. Oh, Congratulations. would <laughs> never do that, though. Why not? No, because... No, 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 no. I think this is really important. A four-year-old, unless they're disturbed or really had a bad experience in church, would never do that because it's so taboo. And at that age, you're not questioning taboos at that level unless you've been abused. So I don't oh boy, see a story. four-year-old ever doing something like That's that. That's an intelligent argument, so but it's very disturbing in its implications. Me, I don't know. I don't know whether you can want to split hairs like this. No, I, de- that's, I don't see this as, as particular. I mean, technically it might be splitting hairs, but there's still a bright line between those two sides of the hair. Like, the, the controversy that is being evoked by putting that kind of work into society is something very different that is not just like... I mean, it's not just a four-year-old could do it, right? It is a rite of passage of four-year-oldism to splatter paint. Okay, so you just don't like abstract make art. make paintings that look like nothing. You just don't like abstract art at I all. I mean, th- that is my big pet peeve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not like I don't like anything edgy or borderline. Like, I think there's a lot of things in that are that are fine. But if you can't look at it... Ba- bounds of things. But if you can't look but at it and say, this is this, art then you don't like it. Can, if you say, this really is not be, this, right? No, not necessarily. Like, 
I mean, I just don't think that visual art has much place to go to really push boundaries, well, you know? I mean, maybe if, like, you had an art exhibit where you paint on someone, right? Like, the gallery is empty, and then you go to the gallery, and then people start painting on you, and that's the art or something. That could push a boundary. We're getting back that's to Russ's it. private show with Dave Cook. I, I'm just saying, <laughs> paint on me, paint me on me. Oh, um, I I don't I don't know, man. I mean, I think that's only it's better than uh, Jackson Pollock or some of that modern art in the sixties. On my arm, I'm surprised. I'm a little bit surprised. So, Russ, you agree with this? You think that basically art ended is ended? Like there is no art anymore? Like no abstract art anyway? If it's abstract, it's pretty art much not is anything. dead. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. I'm really surprised Pretty you guys much. think that. I, I don't agree, but I think it's an interesting argument. And there you so go. What else, <laughs> thing. what else can we ruin in this map report? This that's, that's, that's fantastic. All right, I'll fill the time by giving away a million-dollar idea that is directly related to this. This is an idea I've held close to the vest, but I'm beginning gradually to learn that, you know, the map report isn't on TV, so it's probably not going anywhere. I probably don't have the what? connections to actually make this show happen. Well, bite your tongue, man. So you're out Look there. Look at how far we've come in a year. If you're out there... All rights reserved. All rights reserved. All rights reserved. Copyright. Okay. If you're out there, contact me about making this show happen. It is my All idea. I still claim it. All rights reserved. Sure. <laughs> but this is the best idea ever. I want to put together a reality show. Uh, who wants to be a modern artist? Something like that. Come up with a catchy title. Title not important. And the show is that a modern artist, a known, reputed, well-respected modern artist has to make a painting in, say, you know, six hours or something, or, I don't know, a week, however long they think it needs for them to, to create a pretty good painting. Or they can bring in a painting that they did at home. You know, they can, they can bring in something they worked on for years. Doesn't matter. Some classic. They bring in their painting, and then in five to 15 minutes on the show live, you can watch the whole process. A four-year-old, a six-year-old, whoever, if things get really bad and the ratings are down, my friend Jake suggested an animal can do <laughs> just as well as a kid and they paint you know using the same medium whatever it is that's man versus beast animals exactly (laughs) so they can sculpt you know sculpture versus sculpture painting versus painting and that makes the difference versus brother you know using these different forms but exactly and whatever they are they they use the medium and then well-respected well-known top-of-the-line magazine reviewed peer-reviewed reviewers and critics art critics not knowing which is which, not knowing even maybe the premise of the show for the first few shows, have to go on and show their interpretation on the assumption, you know, either at the start on the assumption that they're both works of fine art, or oh, maybe I, later on title just the show? understanding. Yeah, absolutely. My, all right. My or they have to pick which is, is which, and we see, let's and we see how well they do. Let's make look like douchebags, <laughs> the show. Yeah, but see, I don't know that that would necessarily very, help, very because clever. the four-year-old, are you saying the four-year-old would be looking at the first piece of art <laughs> and uh, would be imitating it, or are you saying the four-year-old produces no, their no, no, own no. separate art? No, they just produce some no, piece blind, of art. No, blind, okay. all they, all they do is they have access to the same materials. Yeah, put it on Bravo, it'll last a week, but you know. That the person that the original person did. Dude, it would be a sensation. The first time that the art critic picked, you know, if it were a pick of, like, which one is the really refined art, the first time they picked the four-year-old. Sensation. Gable what would happen the if world. they picked it and correctly? And it might just bring down art, which would be my goal. Uh, boy. Well, you see, this is one of the reasons that I love the hell out of sports and comedy, 
Because with sports and comedy, either you can do it or you can't do it. There are no fakers. There are no people that can get on stage and fake God it. God help you guys. Either you can make people laugh or you if can't. If we ever turn either your... you can kick a field goal or you can't. Either we turn your path of judgment... No comedy, God help you if true. we turn our path of judgment Maybe on writing. Maybe stand-up See? comedy story. all of a sudden... In stand-up comedy, it's absolutely true. I don't know. There are no bad stand-up comics. Are you really going to buy that? What about there the are bad stand-up comics, comics you've but they're made. just not effective at making people laugh, and that's how you know they're bad, is because they're not funny. Really? So when Andrew Dice Clay so made all, all of his dick is, jokes, when he made all of his dick jokes and people laughed hysterically, Greg, that was cool? Greg, you can, you can target whatever audiences you want, and if you can make you know stupid people laugh, then you're a successful comic in a very narrowly tailored way. Do you admire those I comics? E do you respect no, them? No, I don't admire those comics. Why not? But I do admire their ability to have a stage presence, their ability to have a rhythm. Dude, even all of these stupid artists, comics who can make people laugh all of these do a artists lot of things right. That you just mentioned. That are very, very hard to do. Many of these artists are able to make a great living. People think their art is wonderful and that it speaks to them. It has nothing to do with quality, according to them. According no, to this situation, they're money, successful. Greg. Because the, well, but they're the successful people. I'm not just talking about money, money either. I'm talking about people who are fraud. moved by these people, people who literally look at it and go, wow, that art really speaks to me. I mean, by, yeah, you know, but I think right? it, what more likely happens is they read some crappy review yeah. that a friend did for them in an art magazine Amen. and say, I need to, I'm, I want to be trendy, so I'm going to buy this piece of art. I think Boy. that's God help you guys. Or they if go anyone to the ever lowers and this. look over their shoulder. If anybody ever looks at your guys, <laughs> they look work. over their shoulder and are like, are they musing about it? Wow, that, that girl over yeah. there is kind of cute. I'm going to say that I'm really moved by this piece. I don't know. Uh, this piece really stirs me. Look at the line. Oh, you mean the one line on the piece? Yes, that line. I find it very stirring. Yes, no. me too. And then they go have sex, and it's all now, fine. I will God help you that if that's ever directed towards comedy. you. <laughs> God help you. But it's only when like someone that. has built up so much goodwill. Like Dane Cook, you know, he was really legitimately funny for a long time. And now that he's becoming less funny, he's also reaching the peak of his popularity. So people are just getting on board, being like, this guy's great, because he said super finger. It's like a finger and then more of a finger that you give a guy. It's great. His new material is not that funny. But he has such a following that people laugh because it's popular to laugh at him. And so that happens a little bit. But at some point, you have to be really funny. This doesn't happen out of thin air. I don't know. I think that the art world is littered. I think that, w that art, generally speaking, is littered in music, writing, comedy, every kind of sport, you know, art that you want to name, with people who were extraordinarily overrated and stayed so for much of their life. So I think it's pretty silly to restrict it just to art personally, just the visual arts. I think there's a lot more than that that fall within that category. But so, you can definitely God help you if you're I, I do that not thing. think you can fake being a sports superstar, Greg. You could, Show me how you can fake being a well, sports no, superstar. Well, no, I agree you can't fake being a sports superstar, but you can certainly fake something in the arts. I've seen people do it all the time. I mean, you could fake things all the time in writing. Look at that essay that I just read you guys at the beginning of the show. I mean, oh, yeah. You could fake totally shit agree. all the time. I totally agree <laughs> so with that. So I just think that you can fake being a good writer. You know? I don't think you can fake being a good stand-up comic. I, I don't think you can fake being a good point guard. Maybe. It's just either you can do it or you can't do it. What do you guys think out there in Mepland? I think it's hard to fake... But I think it's very hard to fake being a consistently good writer. I definitely think you can get the occasional chimps on a typewriter thing by people, but not consistently produce. You, I definitely think that's very hard to do. Do you know what else is hard to do? It's hard on to the fake. Clock. Yeah, it's hard to fake the fact that it's a, been over an hour actually at this point. Um, it's very easy to fake time. <laughs> I can just blindly ignore you. And I, continue I, talking. You could do that. That's true. <laughs> no, no, no. Then you're right. Keep going. But uh, we time have reached the end real. of an hour. Time is not on our that's side. That's true. And if you guys have an opinion about this art debate and that we started, please drop us a comment, send us an email, yes. do all those things, you know. And uh, and thank you for listening, and we will be at you next week with this show that we like to think has artistic value, but maybe we're just faking it. Uh, maybe. Say goodbye, everybody.
I, show me a four-year-old. Send me a tape of a four-year-old doing the MEP report. Or, you know, two or three four-year-olds. You mean another four-year-old besides get us? On, get them on TeamSpeak. I mean, uh, in different, you cannot um, fake the MEP report. This is so yeah. true. <laughs> Impossible. Get them on TeamSpeak. See if Impossible. you can fake the MEP report. Because I, I dare you to. I dare you. Send me your tapes, people. Have a good night. Go to the website. It's got cool Ain't graphics. Good night, everybody. Dare you. When you're not talented, <laughs> and I'll be your and show. Be your I'll be your I'll give exhibit. you money <laughs> soon. You There'll be, be a cool time with no when talent. you'll want to fake being talented. You can't fake that. To hit on me. Just cough on your paintbrush. When you don't have a clue, we all need somebody to paint on. Talking away, I don't know what what to say. I'll say it anyway. Today's another day to find you. Proceeding was a presentation of the MEP Report, hosted at www.mepreport.com. All rights reserved. In no way should any part of this show be construed as an invitation to buy, sell, or trade flightless birds, or reassemble Voltron. Or at least not the stupid long cars. Please support the MEP Report by voting for the show at www.vitalpodcast.com, adding the show to your list of favorites at podcastpickle.com, and clicking on the Vote for MEP link on the MEP Report homepage to vote for us at podcastalley.com. Email us at Greg, Russ, Story, or Andy at MEPReport.com and call us and leave a voicemail or a fax at 206-600-MEP1. That's 206-600-6371. And finally, please join the fight to stop the senseless farming of emu plants. It's immoral, it's unethical, and frankly, it's just a little bit of